Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired a nature show host. In a native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got Geico, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. Geico will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. Geico. Great service, without all the drama. All right, we're at home with Claire, who is warming up for a bit of boxer size. Yep, she's welcomed in the new year with a fancy new workout setup. Look at that branded punch bag with matching gloves. And that gorgeous coordinated athleisure. So coordinated. She is working out and working it. Well, with prices this good on designer workout gear, how couldn't she? Whoa! She's back on the sofa. With her feet in an excellently priced foot spa. Iconic. Get those toes to Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices. At Marshall's. Elliot, are you ready? Are the recorders running? Let's start the show. Welcome to Not Your Mother presents this episode of Fly on the Wall Radio. We have a very special guest, Wally Waller. In the early 1960s, Wally Waller played the rhythm guitar in Burn Elliot and the Fenman, a five-piece beat and rhythm and blues band. In 1967, Wally joined Pretty Things as a bass player, replacing John Stax. At the same time, John Povey, the Fenman's drummer, became the Pretty Things keyboardist. Waller was a childhood friend of lead singer Phil May, and they started writing songs together for the Things' third studio album, Emotions, released in 1967. Their musical partnership continued on the next two albums the rock opera SF Sorrow and its follow-up Parachute, the latter being entirely written by May and Waller. 
So let's get started. Remember that this radio show is listener-funded. If you wish to contribute our PayPal info is not your mother's radio at gmail.com. That's not your mother's radio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance. We really need the help. Um, you, sent me, you sent me the sun. And, um... and I also sent you uh, the good Mr. Square, too. Yeah, the, um, sun was, the sun was on the emotions album, right? Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was the first song. Uh, well, that that song actually changed the changed the pretty things history because Phil Phil asked me to, he was struggling with uh, his third studio album, Emotions, with yes. with the material. I was still working with another band called the Fenmen, and right. um, and he, he invited, but we lived opposite each other in the same street. I went off. Kind of to be to be electrical engineer that didn't work out. <laughs> I went, uh, and then Phil went to art school, so we kind of we gone our separate ways. I got into another band, and Phil started the Pretty Things. But when um, he uh, he said, "Why don't you come over and see if we can write some music this afternoon?" We were both home at the same time, yeah. and uh, and he said, uh, "So we we wrote the Sun and a couple of others. We had you know." And he said, "What? Why don't you do you want to join the band?" Yeah, do you want to join the pretty things? So I said yes, and uh, and that really? was it. Things changed. Rest, of, rest is history, as they yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'd like to introduce everybody to Wally Waller. Um, uh, Wally, you will remember the pretty things, and you recorded on their uh, on their two most famous records, FS Sorrow and Parachute. Yeah, um, I, I had quite a lot to do with uh, with both of them, and we um, it was it was a weird time. Um, there was, I guess, Phil was feeling the you know the, the art school R and B, which is kind of where where the pretty things it started from, was kind of wearing a bit thin, and there was something else going on. It was you know yeah. psychedelia and stuff. And it was, well, it was, it was an empty slate. You could do what you want, you know, and right. so we did. So, so you, prior to the pretty things, you worked in uh, the Fenmen. You were in the band, the Fenmen. Right. And, uh, and that, um, you had a top 20 hit with, um, you did money. You'd cover the two. Yeah. Money. The, the Barrett Strong song from Motown. Yeah. Right, right. And that was, uh, um, the end of 63. Which was pretty much the whole beginning of that British uh, invasion thing starting to boil, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and then um, so so Burn Elliott left the band, and you guys carried on as the Fenmen for a bit. Yeah. And yeah, um, actually, um, you carried on for a good number of years, three, four years. Well, we did. He, uh, uh, yeah, Burn Elliott was uh, he was going to be a big star, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That didn't, yeah, okay. And, well, and, I don't and, think uh, I don't think Frank Sinatra and and Elvis lost too much sleep, but but you know he he did. I mean, I know, he disappeared, but we carried on. We 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 always had a lot of kind of vocal harmony going on behind, um, sure. and we just we just made that our feature. We did a lot of harmony stuff, and uh, what well, it, it yeah, that's you know when John came with me into the pretty things at the same time, 
Yeah. And we brought that with us because uh, we had a, a big, uh, a big um, history of, of right. singing, uh, singing in harmony. Uh, uh, and Phil um, had no history at all, but he was an eager learner. So the three of us started making some some quite you know good vocal stuff. You know, I noticed that a lot about um, about those bands back in back in the sixties. A lot of guys just hopped hopped into a band to be in a band and learn their instruments secondary, right? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that was pretty funny, and, and a lot of these guys became uh, really, really proficient and um, kind of became trendsetters. So you know, it kind of worked out well. But you were yeah. uh, you you were a guitarist, and um, I know you guys the, the first you did that tune rejected for the feminine. You wrote that song, yeah. And that, that was, was like pretty much the end. After that, you were, you were asked to join the Pretty Things, and you came yeah. on as as a bass player. Yeah, well, that, you know, when when John and I both joined together, John John was the drummer in in the in the pretty in the Fenman, right? And I, and I was uh, I was a guitar player, as you say, but and um, I joined as a bass player in the Pretty Things. I hadn't played bass before, uh, and mm. and John. Uh, and the drummer, we all, there was already a drummer in the pretty thing. So John joined as a keyboard player. He spent some time, uh, studying keyboards as a, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, at school yeah. and stuff. So, and that's, uh, and that's John Povey. Yeah, that's John Povey. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, um, so you're in the pretty things and, um, you, you and Phil May were old buddies. You guys were. We, we grew up, we, we grew up, uh, since the age of four, we lived opposite each other in the same street. Yeah. I mean, we just, and we were, you know, there were no other kids of our age, so we naturally, we just kind of, we were inseparable. We did everything together for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, I actually saw pictures of you guys on that, at a beach in bathing suits and everything. Really, really uh, young uh, stuff. I don't know how it wound up, it wound up on Facebook. It must have been on your site. Well, yeah, yeah. So you guys did. You know, you knew each other for a long time. You replaced um, uh, John Stacks in the Pretty Things. You were his replacement, and um, so you came on, and uh, you and Phil started working together, and um, you started writing together, and you guys did some incredible, incredible work. Um, we'll we'll get to some of the stuff in a bit, but um, you started out on the Emotions albums. That the first album you did. Yeah, I think the, the, the emotions, um, was underway, but I think Phil was struggling badly yeah. with, uh, you know, finding material and, uh, he wasn't getting a lot of help from uh, the rest. I mean, and I think he was very disappointed with, you know, some members, uh, yeah. um, and I guess that prompted him at the end of our first, um, attempt at writing, he, he said, do you want to join the band? Uh, and yeah. uh, I said yes. So that was big. That that song was the sun, and I think right. that, that that's what uh, that changed it changed uh, the shape of pretty things history. Okay, now I have two versions of the sun here. I have uh, the um, the uh, um, actual cut from Emotions, and I have a great great acoustic piece that you sent, and um, they're, they're both. The, you know, it's the same tune, and they're both done pretty much the same way. Only one's heavy-duty electric, and the other one is you, basically, just doing it all. So right. I'd like to 
I'd like to play that one. Um, which one do you suggest we put in? I could play them both. I could play one later on. But which one do you want to listen to now? Do you want to listen to? Well, uh, I, I don't know. I think I think the original cut from Al, yeah. but from from Emotions is one of. The, I think for me that was the best track on Emotions. And yeah. uh, I when when we wrote it, uh, I had my doubts because it didn't sound anything like a Pretty Thing song to me. But well, I don't know how we got to that. I, the, but we did. Well, Okay, and, so uh, we'll take a quick break. I'm going to play the um, sun, and this is the pretty things. This is from the LP Emotions, and um, we're going to get to the other piece later. So let's get this going. And we'll. The sun. The sun. Cross the sky, cross the sky. You reach out, you reach out, but it's too high, it's too high. Will you settle? Will you settle? Will you settle? Will you settle? Will you settle for that? Water touched by land. Water touched by land. When the sun has passed you by, passed you by in the dark. In the darkness, you will cry. You will cry, and your tears. And your tears, and your tears, and your tears, and your tears will be soaked up by the sand. Soaked up by the sand. It's been my fault, yes, mine from the start. If I told you, never. Falling so hard, so hard. Yes, it's been my fault. The sun, the sun has passed you by, passed you by in the dark, in the darkness. And uh, Wally, you co-wrote this song with Phil, with Phil May. Yes. And, yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah and, and right after this tune, you were asked to join the band as a full-time member. 
Yeah, uh, I was I was working in another band called the Fenmen, and, um, yeah. and Phil had a very, Phil and I had a strong history going back you know since we were four years old, as I say. But uh, we but we discovered that you know that afternoon we discovered we had a, we we could do we could um, we had a rapport music rapport when we could write we could write songs together. Um, and he liked he liked my uh, what I was doing. Phil, I mean, mostly I wrote most of the music, and Phil wrote most of the lyrics, and that's how it okay. worked. It, I mean, through our history, that's the way it worked, but not not uniquely like that. I mean, there was no rules. Right, right, right. Okay, and 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 um, you know, Phil passed away a few years ago, and um, uh, what type of guy was he? He 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 kind of he was the he was the face of the pretty things. He, everybody knew Phil. He was, obviously he was there for ninety um, percent uh, of of the time. You know, he was he was the member that that was the pretty things. Was he? Yeah. Um, was he? Um, obviously, you guys were friends. But was how, how did you and you worked well together? But how was he as as a bandmate? Everything was pretty cool with him, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're when you're in a band and you you're, you're you're doing a lot of stuff, we were we were quite busy touring, recording, you know, broadcasts and stuff. So you kind of it's it, you can't live with you can't live like a perfect life. I mean, there's gonna no. be moments of you know yeah. kind of friction. Like, it's, it's kind of like being married. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I know that's what it is. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know it has its ups and downs. I know uh, peaks and valleys, but um, I mean the pretty things were were a pretty um, influential band. They kind of influenced a lot of people out there, and they had a pretty interesting beginning. Uh, they um, anybody out there listening, check out the pretty things history, and it goes back to uh, the Rolling Stones and pre Rolling Stones. Yeah, a lot yeah, of I would. Dick yeah. Taylor, um, yeah, he he was part of the original uh, right. Rolling Stones when they were called Little Boy Blue and the yeah, the Little Boy whatever. Blue, yeah, 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 yep, 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 and um, and and they were pretty much the same type of band as uh, the Rolling Stones. They played a lot of R and B stuff, a lot of rhythm and blues, a lot of like Motown influenced stuff, and um, <clears throat> excuse me. Then when you popped up, they got into a little more psychedelic type feeling to their music. Then well, I think um, I, I, I think well that there was there was something in the air going on at that uh, that time. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and uh, Phil Phil kind of Phil you know, cut his musical teeth um, in the, in the art school with this kind of this kind of unique R and B kind of thing. But I I came I'd been working the kind of R and B. That I've been uh, that, that affected me a lot in the, in the few years before that, when I was in the yeah. Fenman, was um, you know stuff like the coasters and uh, and um, um, yeah, I don't know, the motel stuff, or, or you know not yeah. uh, not so much this pure, uh, very narrow kind of R and B that 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 we associate with uh, uh, the the art school stuff, where, where like the Stones yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah. the Yardbirds yeah. and Blah blah blah. Sure. So well, I was coming from a different angle. So, okay. but, but but I think we met we met in a in a good place where we, and uh, we found that we could write together and and we both enjoyed the direction that we were moving in. 
I mean, there was no kind of, there was no, I mean, you can only write what you write. You, you, I right. mean, there, there was no kind of pre-ordained um, uh, direction that we, we were, right, we're going to do this. But we, we sit down with, with our instruments and, uh, and out would come this. And, uh, right. it was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't because we wanted it to go that way, but you just that's write what you write. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it came out. Okay. And, um, so, so, so obviously you guys did a lot of collaborating as the, as the, um, um pretty things and, uh, SF Sorrow, which is, um, the go-to album for most Pretty Thing fans right. was um, that was pretty much a concept album, and it uh, predated um, um, uh, the Who as being the first rock opera. And it was, and you guys never really got that credit that the Pretty Things well, deserved for that because you guys did you guys did the first rock opera, and it was um, SF Sorrow. And uh, tell us about that. That 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 was a uh, um, Classic. That that album is just an incredible album. Well, it, it, the the idea of doing doing that. I mean, it would, people used to make LPs, and they'd be you know like twelve A sides and twelve B, six A sides, and they'd put them on a on a disc. And that. but I, I I thought it'd be so much nicer if if the the songs were related. There was some there was some kind of consequence and and sequence going on. You know, like some kind of narrative going through. Um, I didn't think uh, the words rock opera never occurred to me. But anyway, I said to Phil, well, why don't we, why don't we, you know, make, get a story and, and, and illustrate it with music and that, that can be the album. Uh, but he said, um, uh, he's a great, great ummer and ara and he ummed and ara a lot. I remember it was, we were touring Denmark at the time and he didn't, he, you know, I, he didn't give me any kind of real positive uh, vibes about it, uh, but but before too long, I he taken up he taken up the idea, and uh, he said, "Well, I, I've got this short story I've been writing called um, you know, I don't know some some corporal sorrow or something that I don't know I can't remember exactly." But he said, uh, "Yeah, let's let's see what we you know." It, it kind of grew. It was like it was organic. You know, you. I mean, we 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 started um, mostly Phil's Phil's story, but you know, story the story wine would it's like cross pollination between story and songs, and so they would both affect each other, and it, so it was it was organic. It wasn't we didn't sit down and write this is a story. Right, let's write some songs. It it grew. It kind of you know it did. Uh, it was it was part of an organic thing, and. Um, um, and that's that's how we uh, finally got we we finally finished. We were we were on it. We made we did an odd, really strange movie, uh, a, a Norman Wisdom movie, that, and uh, and we had a lot of spare time. We had we, we were we were every morning at eight o'clock. We were, we were we were made up, and then we they just in case they we needed to use us. So and we spent right. a lot of time just hanging around. And okay. during that time, we finished. We finished. We were we were about halfway through us of sorrow at that stage, and and, and in the, in all our downtime, when we had lots and lots of it uh, on the on the location where we were working up in the northwest England, a place called uh, Southport, um, okay. and uh, uh, so we finished writing the album, and um, 
finally, when we finished filming our scenes on that, we we went back down, booked the time in Abbey Road, and and finished it off. And uh, uh, well, that's you know that we were. I remember look when we were. You know, we 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 had a record player in our in our dressing room stuff, and we were. I remember we had things like um, Simon and Garfunkel and the uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. We were okay. playing a lot, and and uh, and um, Buffalo Springfield. And I remember this. You know, quite a lot of stuff that was. Um, yeah. That kind of we we were playing a lot anyway. I, I don't know okay. if that affected. If we got any influences, I guess we must have done subliminally yeah. from sure. from things like that. But right, because right. we were all together playing music. But, now, yeah. now, if I was going to play a uh, um, pretty uh, SF Sorrow tune, what is one of your uh, um, one of the tunes that you like the best on that album that I could play? Uh, I think I think Balloon Burning was was something I enjoyed. I had a lot to do with the construction of that uh, and, and the, the instrumentation, um, and it was it was quite it, it was unusual, um, and uh, it was uh, it was but uh, it was it, it was particularly pleasing to the end result. In in those days, we were we were still working on four track machines, yes. so it, it was it was a big. Um, okay, well, let, let, let's take a quick break. I'm going to play Balloon Burning, and uh, we'll be back in uh, just a bit.
from um, some great solo stuff, some great uh, Pretty Things music. And we're going to get into talking about some other stuff. And guys, I just want to remind everybody, if you're listening to this, then you know, but um, you can be found on all the major podcast sites. Uh, we're on Apple. We're on um, Spreaker. We're on, and we're also on uh, Spotify. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find um, Not Your Mother's Radio podcasts and um, Fly on the Wall podcasts and also Destroy All Rational Thoughts. So um, we're easy to find. And we're going back to Wally now. So, uh, Wally, you wound up at um, working at the biggest studio on the planet, the most famous, you know, <laughs> studio. And, and, you know, and I think everybody knows EMI, which is uh, Abbey Road. And you were an engineer at Abbey Road for a number of years. Patricia, I wasn't an engineer, but I was, uh, I, I worked for, I had an office in um, central London in, um, in Manchester Square, but uh-huh. uh, I used to. But all all my work was done in Abbey Road, up in St John's Wood, um, which is it's just a few miles away. But but um, no, it was great. I I produced I produced a lot of work. I I, I worked at Abbey Road, a as an artist, perhaps, but with you know, right. pretty things made all their records there, and uh, and then uh, Elliot's not your mother. He's not mine either. I wouldn't mind it though. At Abbey Road, look. So I, I, I mean, it's beautiful. It's a cathedral of sound. Yes. You can't. You know, I mean, it has a. There's something magic about those walls. When you when you walk into Studio Two, which is usually known as the Beatles Studio, you yeah. know, that you you come down the stairs from the control room, and it's the the place just feels like it's magic. You know, you know, those hallowed walls have have, have witnessed so much. That, what history? Uh, and what history yeah. came out, yeah, the history yeah. in that place was incredible. Um, so you worked with uh, Norman Smith. You and Norman were uh, uh, pretty tight, and Norman was the Beatles' engineer. Yeah, he 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 engineered all the Beatles right from the, the very very first. Yep. Um, please, uh, please, please, maybe the one before that as well. Um, then uh, right up until Rubber Soul, uh, and yep. uh, then. The EMI um, had decided that he was a he, he, he. I mean, he's a very cool guy. He's a very good musician. He could write yeah. scores and stuff. Uh, uh, so EMI decided to bump him up from uh, you know to, to make him a producer in his own right because being an engineer was one thing. And in in those days, EMI didn't give any credits at all. If you look at any of the records, you won't find any engineering credits at all so all no, that stuff right. that norman did was never it was never credited to him on any sure. in any way so yeah, but, uh, had, but and then he had a uh he had a big hit he had a big hit yeah he well, a big he, hit under the name hurricane smith hurricane smith he yeah, yeah. he he, he well, soon after i joined emi in their wisdom cancelled our contract in 1971 I was very disheartened, really, after SFSR and Parachute, you know, I thought, were too, you know, and, and so that wasn't a great result to have your to have your um, co- your contract cancelled. But Norman said, listen, he, he, I, I was very involved in all the productions uh, that right. I was I was writing, and he, he knew that I, I was capable of, of producing records because we discussed everything. And, and, uh, 
and so uh, he said, look, look, uh, I know you're um, you know, the pretty things are looking at other other uh, companies to to sign with. They ended up with Warner Brothers. Um, and uh, but Norman said to me, why don't you, you know, I, I know you like working in the studio. I know you love the studio. And I do. I always have. I like, I'm, you know, I miss I miss being a live you know, musician, too. But but um, I um, he said, come on. You know, I, I, I have a word with the people upstairs. And I'm sure, yeah, I'll get you a job here producing records. So I said, well, OK. I kind of thought I liked the change of direction. This guy thought, well, you know, it's, I want to do this. I want to try this. Uh, I, I, I hated leaving the pretty things. And, and, uh, but I, and the very next, when, uh, when Phil landed the contract with, with Warner Brothers yeah, and they wanted an album, he came to me and said, you know, Will you will you produce it for us? So I mean, so that John and I and him yeah. continued our harmony singing together. But I couldn't use because I was signed to EMI for for production purposes. I had to use a pseudonym on the and I called myself Asa Jones. And uh, that was, <laughs> I, it, it sounded to me like you know, a big uh, American yeah. guy with a cigar, you know. And, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, that's so. Uh, so if you look on the on the and, and the funny thing was that you know uh, I, Phil says to me when it, when we started the session he said well you you've got any songs going what, what are you doing I said well I've, I've got one and so uh, he said well, yeah I, I, we played it and he said ah, wow that's great um, uh, there's one or two lyrics you know that needed sorting out and so he did that uh, so we that became a, a song that we that we were going to do on the album and uh, well we. You know, when you write a song, it suits your voice. So when, I mean, you know, Phil tried to sing it, and it, it wasn't, you know, it, it was, it, you know, it wasn't so good. He said, and and John gave it a shot, but uh, he, Phil said, "Listen, it's your song, man. You got to sing it." So, yeah. uh, so, uh, so I, I sang, I sang, it. and when I gave, I, I, I gave all the tapes to Warner Brothers at the end of the album, uh, you know, when it was wrapped up, and they. Um, uh, and what? And lo and behold, what would they pick as a single? <laughs> yeah. You're up yours, okay. Over the moon, yeah. yeah so, well. so, uh, I, so I, I left. Yeah, you know, I, I gave that was for the pretty things management to deal with. I, you know, I didn't get involved in that. But um, yeah, and um, so well, with the with the pretty things, you were really involved with. Um, the pretty things went through, went through a stage where they did a lot of library music, right? Stuff kind of like, um, yeah, we, we did a lot, um, right from when I first joined the band. Uh, they, yeah, they yeah. And that um, kind of became the hot, that became kind of like the hot licks series, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we, we, we called ourselves the electric banana or that was the name that was invented for us by this library yeah. music company called Dwarf. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, Dwarf. Uh, so we, so we did, uh, we did that. Um, uh, and, um, that's it. You know, the, I sang my first, there, there, on the first lot of sessions we did, the, the publisher, the wolf said, listen, um, we want you to do, make an album, but there's a couple of songs we want you to do for, but from, from some of our writers we've had. To, right. So, I mean, so Phil, Phil listened to the, uh, 
one, you know, one of the songs that he said, well, there's no singing way I'm going to, I'm going to be singing that load of, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so John and I, there, there were two songs. Uh, so John and I drew straws and I sang one, he sang the other. But I, so I sang a song called Street Girl, which, uh-huh. um, which was, uh, uh, it was, it, it was pretty good. It gave me a lot of confidence to, you know, to do, cause I'd never, right. I'd never really been, a, sung anything on my own before. I'd been, been right. back with all the boys doing the do-wops. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and a lot of that stuff got into movies. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service. Without all the drama. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that basically, yeah. I mean, that that's yeah. because, uh, that you know, people, people want to use, uh, you know, uh-huh. It costs a lot of dough to to use like a Rolling Stone track, or or, right. or, or I mean, they yeah. Yeah, they want they want fortunes. And so if you get, if you get something that sounds a bit like this or a bit yeah, like that, style-wise. they can yep, go. Yep, yep. They go to companies yep. like DeWolf and they say, "Look, we want something," and they give them something, and they get you know. So we get paid, they get paid. They don't. Yeah. They, and the people who who are buying the music don't have to pay you know like astronomical sure. sums that that they would yeah. have. To pay. Right. 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 And um, yeah, so it, you wound up in some weird movies as well. But um, some of those albums are super, super interesting. Uh, there was the Electric Banana. There was more Electric Banana. The Electric Banana Returns. Return of the Electric Banana. There was some <laughs> great, great stuff there. And um, it got into some really, really weird movies. But um, the music is incredible. Some great stuff came out of the, the Electric Banana yeah. phase. Um Going back, I don't think you were involved with the band at this time, but um, David Bowie covered uh, two of your tunes on his pinups album. I think that was before I joined. That was before you, you know, he did Sorrow and Rosalind, right? Yeah. He and Phil were really, uh, really tight buddies. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did two of those um, tunes on the pinups album, and that was pre-Wally. And um, you produced Barclay, uh, Barclay James Harvest, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, one of the first things I did when I got to EMI, because uh, yeah, Norman yeah. Norman had produced the first album, but he was he was really busy uh, with his his solo career was was blossoming, you know, yeah. and he, he he didn't have a lot of time. He said to me, "Look, Wally, can you can you do this? Um, uh, I I had at the time to do this. So, you know, I can't get into it at the moment. I've you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff going on in his career, you know, his solo right. career." Uh, so yeah. I said, yeah, um, and uh, and I got on very well with the uh, with the guys, and uh, I sang on a couple of bits and pieces. Right, 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 right. Uh, you, you you worked on Twink's album, the Pink Pink album. 
I did, yeah. He, uh, well, he called, he said, why don't you come by? He was doing, making something in, uh, in, in Decca uh, yeah. studios. And, uh, uh, I, I played a bit of piano on it, I think. Uh, I, uh-huh. I don't think, I can't remember what exactly it was I did, but, um, okay. But, but, um, but uh, Twink put together the band called the Pink Fairies. Right. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, we, uh, they, they used to kind of appear now and again. If we did a gig in London, it yeah. was kind of, uh, if suddenly the stage was full of a lot more people than, than just yeah. the pretty things. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but the Pink Fairies had kept that pretty thing sound to it. It was just a continuation. There wasn't a lot of, um, musical difference between those two bands. Oh, they right. pretty, they pretty much, you know, were parallel in, you know, in style. Um, you worked on Phil May's album, Phil May and the Fallen Angels, which was well, pretty interesting. Yeah, that was, that was our album, actually. We, right. um, uh, we, we, um, it's a hell of a long story. I mean, how long have you got? <laughs> but yeah, basically, the, the guy called Mickey Finn, uh, started this, uh, and there was all kind of people have been involved and right. it never quite happened. And he, eventually, cause Mickey had this, um, financier who was going to stand eventually they put a studio was booked in Geneva and and we spent some time there and really got super messed up and but anyway Phil and I wrote the majority of the material uh, and and uh, and uh, and it was in the end that they um, when they came to sell the album they were looking I think they were they, they decided because it, it, the Fallen Angels wasn't going to, maybe people weren't going to buy something called the Fallen Angels, but if you called it Film A and the Fallen Angels, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot more commercial. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. By a yep. Bit. Yep. yep. And um, you also, uh, then you were, then you came back to the, uh, um, you came back to the pretty things. You, you, you got back into the, the whole fold. And continued on, and um, so from there, uh, I know a couple of albums came out: Balboa Island, uh, Resurrection. That was when you came back, right? That was when you came back. We you no, know, we came back before that. We did. Uh, we came back together. We had a the the, the Dutch fan club because things that we, we think everything kind of disbanded around about seventy six. I came back from, from working in France. I've been working in France. I left EMI. I couldn't, it was like working for, you know, the government, the civil service. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't my, it didn't suit my, uh, too, my persona. Too, too corporate. So, so, yeah. Uh, and I didn't, I'm, I'm not a corporate animal at all. As I, and, uh, I didn't conform to what they wanted. Anyway, so I, I went to work in France with Philippe Debarge. Uh, and, uh, and I spent two, uh-huh. uh, two idyllic years, uh, living mostly in Biarritz in the Southwest. Yeah. I, I just love, I mean, the part of France I love, um, and, and because I lived there and loved it. Um, but, um, but then I came back, 70, about 76, I decided, you know, this is, life is, life is passing me by. I gotta, I gotta get back to reality. So okay. uh, I came back, I came back. And at the same time, Phil had kind of, I don't know how to describe it really, um, altercations with, uh, I mean, he left the, anyway, he, I mean, so Phil and I started doing bits and pieces together. 
again. Uh, but in it wasn't until '78 the Dutch fan club, the pretty things Dutch fan club, had, had, uh, had organised a weekend to come over and and for us all to you know, bring our wives and girlfriends and just you know and, uh, and they organised around a gig. But they kind of they put us in a hotel and uh, so we had a we had a swell time for a, we had a really nice weekend yeah. and played a gig which uh, which was bootlegged and that that's how they got their money. And, uh, yeah, that that became they, live. That became live album, right? Yeah, yeah. Live '78, and that was an interesting album as well. It was a good album. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then after but, that, you did. Then after that, you did Crosstalk. Well, that that showed the seeds for for you know a uh-huh. real a real resurrection, a real kind of coming together, a real reunion. Um, right. uh, and that's when we, uh, um, uh, it was Phil, Phil discussed it with me and, and we, and it's, 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 it's the lineup of myself, uh, John Povey, Phil May, uh, Skip Allen, Dick Taylor and Pete Tolson. A lot of people oh. say that, you know, that's, that's the, uh, that's the 18. They say yeah. that's the best lineup we have. So it was, it was a pretty hot band. Yeah, I must admit, yeah. it was great to play. In. Yeah. So you guys did a cross talk. You did another live album. Um, then you did Rage Before Beauty. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I, I, I left. There was there was a lot of problems with uh, when we um, we did a German tour when we. When we're touring Crosstalk, and and, uh, and yeah, the promoter ran off with all the money. I mean, I just thought, you know, this business is. Um, I, can't, I kind of walked away from it. From from okay. you know, this is really so. So Phil and Phil and Dick. In fact, we all we all do. But Phil and Dick used to do gigs with uh, pick up some musicians and do gigs. Right. Uh, you know, called the pretty things or whatever, but. Um, in in um, in '94, um, the the manager at the time, Mark St. John, said to, he said to Phil and Dick, "Look, you, you, the way forward is to get the the real guys back in. You know, the you know, the not not the um, not the guys you're using at the moment. Right. Uh, it, it, it's, so um, we were invited to come back, uh, and there there have been a, a, some resolution of a lot of legal problems um, uh, and." Uh, and, and it'd been a stressful time, but, but the pretty things were finally back in control of their entire catalogue again from, okay. you know, from all the, all the Philips Fontana stuff, you know, the early stuff up into emotions and then on to the EMI stuff, the Warner Brothers stuff. But it was all under one roof now. And it was, okay. it finally ended up in a company called Snapper. But, uh, but, but then Mark said the only way to sell it, sell this is to have the band, have the real band. So, um, so that's when we all came back and reformed, uh, the real band. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, there was a whole, there was a whole, uh, uh, intermediate, um, phase of the pretty things when plays were coming and going. They were just bouncing in and out real quick. And I, and then you guys got it back together again. And, um, so that was, I guess, um, that that was later later on, and so the last album you guys worked on together was Resurrection. Was that the last big Pretty Things? Piece? Uh, no, I don't think so. That that was that was from the 
That was from Abbey Road when we did. Yeah. We um, we did SF Sorrow live at Abbey Road in wow. 1998 We made a, we, we had a, a well, had a tape recorder, a Revox, where you could make, um, basic, very basic, um, overdubbing stuff. So, so we made a, quite a few, um, uh, demos, uh, um, round about the time of, uh, Parachute and before for the Debarge album. And, uh, and we, um, we uh th- th- these these tapes have been known about for a long time but they've gone missing and they were the holy grail never but then at the time of um when they when bouquet from a cloudy sky was was released well just before it they'd been discovered uh so okay. uh so uh the, so there were these rarities uh outtakes and stuff that we that we done that we did they were they were the demos for parachute most of them Uh, okay. Which, 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 um, which uh, it was, you know, a lot of people appreciated a great, a great deal. Yeah. And then you were involved in that uh, huge, great, great uh, um, live, the 40th anniversary live piece, Live in Brighton. Oh, yes. Yes. No, that was, yeah, that, uh, was, that, was that was an amazing, amazing, amazing show. It was a good show. I loved it. Uh, it was a tiny little place, uh, but, uh, but, um, But you know, where they 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 drove a a mobile a, right. a, a mobile studio out sure. to outside this little you know, little pub in Brighton, and yep. um, and uh, and they recorded the whole thing, and 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 it was filmed as well. So yeah, uh, it was great, yeah, great show, great album. Then um then there was some old pieces. I don't know if you're involved in this, but um, an album came out called The Pretty Thing Mates with Matthew Fisher. Were you involved in that at all? No. When was that? Um, he they, it, the album, the name of the album is "A Whiter Shade of Dirty Water." Oh, and, right. Uh, uh, um, let's see. It was the Pretty Things Mates. They uh, uh, they did um, some uh, Pretty Things stuff. They did a lot of covers. Ninety Six Tears. They did. Uh, they did. Um, uh, Whiter Shade of Pale. I believe they did on that thing. Uh, pushing too hard. It was just a conglomeration of three or four different bands. Uh, I think. Was, I, I think. Uh, I think that was before '94. When I think uh, that back. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was kind of like a bootleg piece. I don't know where the heck it even came from. But they I did. Think, uh, I think. I think. It, I think that's before we got back together. I think it's yeah. something that Phil did in the '80s or, or you yeah. know, maybe early '90s. I think it's pre-94 anyway. Okay. And then uh, David Bowie did a tune to you, uh tribute to you guys. The Pretty Things Are Going to Hell, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 which was a, a great tune. In fact, you know what? Let's take a quick break and let's play a little David Bowie. 
And he loved the pretty things. He was just like in awe of that band, right? He was, yeah. He was. I mean, he, before he was, uh, before anybody knew, he was just, he was just playing Davy Jones or whatever. He used to hang
the pretty things are going to hell. Um, okay, so um, you, what what are your plans if if and when we're allowed to go out again and, and start performing again? Uh, do you plan on doing anything? Are you? Uh, uh yeah um yeah i i'm getting itchy feet i i haven't I haven't been out on the road for years but i want to do i you know i want to i'm I, i'm so bored with with not doing it um and you know if you if you can still do it you, why not why don't you do it you know it's, it's uh, i'm i'm really up for it i want to i i'm not i've got a few ideas i've i've sounded out a few musicians yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and I'm, I feel positive. I've got a load of stuff. The only, one of the only good things about lockdown is I've been, you know, what do you do? <laughs> you, yeah. you, you pick up your guitar and you start doing stuff. So, uh, I've been right. I've got a load, load of songs, a lot of songs that I really like. Um, uh, oh, and I, well, what, what musicians, uh, any musicians you're eyeing to go out with you? Anybody? Uh, uh, no, I've I've been talking to a lot of people, but I'm not going to give any, give any names at the moment. But uh, you know, it's a uh, well. You'll have to come back for part two to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know okay, some, you're on. I know some great UK guys who um who are definitely looking to work again. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of them are uh, um probably your alumni, guys like Zoot Money and guys like that. They're, they're out right. there. They're all looking to get out there and gig again. So uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's been too long. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 this lockdown is just sending everybody crazy. You yeah, know, and if you go and, and if you, and and um, going out again, are you going to be doing um, pretty things tunes as well? Inevitably, I will be doing. Yeah, I will. I mean, yeah. you've got to. You've got to. A lot of those songs, a lot, have had a lot to do with me. So. It's it's a it's it's natural. I should do it. I mean, people would expect me to to do stuff yes. like that, you know, yes. uh, and and, and, uh, and I would I would do that. But I I got it's got some new stuff and some old stuff. Maybe maybe not exclusively things I've written. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's kind of it's it's. Uh, I I just feel like a, a good. I want to be in a good rock band again. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah, and and, yeah. and 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 you you corrected me, but um, Phil May passed away in May is going to be a year. This May will be a year. This and, May fifteenth, um, yeah, 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 May fifteenth, and um, you know, you guys were, you, you know, you you guys spent a lot of years together playing. So yeah. um, I'm sure his spirit is is, out, is there every time you play. And, well, I, um, I yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I will feel I will feel there's something on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, that, he 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 uh, he lived and breathed, you know, rock and roll. Yeah, and he yeah, and he he really enjoyed. He he was a he was a, a natural frontman. You know, yes. because of the, the report. I, you know, I'm I don't know whether I'm anything like the kind of character Phil is as a as a stage personality. But yeah. uh, I feel I feel very I feel confident about uh, musically. That's I think I I've, I've got some great songs. Well, let's say some good songs anyway. I mean yeah. I'm I'm buzzing on them at the moment, and uh, uh, I've got to decide how to record them, how to what instruments I need, what personnel I need. You know, um, but um, yeah. Uh, well, I've got well we've got um, we've got. Uh, Parachute revisited is being right. uh, is being released. 
I, I've remixed the whole thing. We did it actually about 10 years ago. I was denied. I was denied. I've always been denied um, by management and by the record company. To, they have never allowed me to remix anything, do anything to any, any of our old stuff. Even though, you know, Norman Smith regarded me as his protege. And, uh, right. and I did too. And, and I've, I do have a, I have a, I have, you know, a, a, a big kind of feeling about all the stuff we recorded. Um, as the pretty things, but anyway, I've never been there. So, uh, about ten uh, years ago, for the fortieth anniversary uh, of uh, Parachute, which was um, two thousand and ten, uh-huh. um, the um, we uh, we recorded. I took I took Pete Cholson, I took John Povey, and myself and Skip Allen, and we and we had a studio in Malaga um, uh, for a month. Uh, and we re, and we 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 kind of looked at the songs from Parachute from you know anew. We did right. we didn't nothing was nothing was sacrosanct. Nothing was you know we could. I mean, some of them ended up quite similar to the uh, the original uh, right. recordings, and others not so. But I think they're all interesting, and I think uh, if if anybody liked Parachute, they'll like this. So I've remixed it recently, and it's being. Uh, released by an American company called Renaissance Records, uh, okay. and that's going to be uh, that's going to be out um, at the moment. It looks like being in October. I'm hoping if we can be bring it forward a bit. But there has been a huge backlog in in sure. the production of vinyls um, in, in the in the US and everywhere um, because um, everybody's been starting, everybody's been working. So uh, right. yeah. This COVID thing slowed everything down. It really destroyed the uh, music industry. Yeah. No, it really did. So um, what I'd like to do now is invite you back in a, for part two. If you're willing, I'd, be, I'd love to have you back here with me. And, um, okay. Would, and would, you then, like me, um, would, would you like me uh, to invite John as well? John I would Perry. love that. I think that'd be great. He, I mean, like, he's, he's, he lives in Malaga, but, you know, with uh, this kind of technology, that's not a big problem. Is it? No, no, we'll do it by Zoom. Um, I'll talk yeah. to you offline about that, and maybe we can dive into um, SF Sorrow and really, really rip that album apart, because that's a classic. And um, we could talk about that for a bit, and with John, it'd be great. So um, i just like to thank you for spending uh, today with me, and we're going to get ready for part two. I'm going to contact you later today we'll set up a date and uh, do you want to talk to john see when he's available and we'll make this you know we'll i'm pretty sure he did i he, he'd love to do it so uh, i mean I, he's you know he likes he he's he's still he's still musically active and we talk yeah. a lot beautiful yeah. so what i'd like to do is i'm going to close the uh, show out today with um the good mr square do you want to tell us about that before i play it the good, the good Mr. Square was, uh, when we, when we first started writing Parachute, Phil and I, we, um, we sat down and, and, and Phil said, we were, we didn't even know what we were going to do. We, we didn't know what, where we were going, but this, it was a new album. You know, uh-huh. the, the last thing we, SF Sorrow, didn't get a great reaction, but we weren't thinking, oh wow, how are we going to follow that? It was just, so we sat down and Phil said, well, I don't know, I've got this, I've been writing a little story about this guy called 
the good Mr. Square. And he said, as he said, the good, something bang, went bing in my, you know, and I rushed next door, I got my guitar. And and Phil explains to me, the good Mr. Square is about a guy who, who cuts, he keeps a scrapbook, you know, this is before the digital age. He keeps a scrapbook and he cuts squares out of paper, you know, the, you know, about all the people he likes to, you know, see and the people he likes. And he's sticking, sticking all these things and cutting, you know, clippings out of magazines and newspapers. And that's, um, and that's, you know, in about 10 minutes, we had the song. We, we had it, we had it all done. It was, uh, and we had, and it kind of kicked us off and it gave us a direction for Paris. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, the version I have is from uh, Kitchen Rock. Tell, tell us about Kitchen Rock real quick. And then, well, uh, well, you know, when uh, when we all got locked down, everybody's terribly bored, me included. And and I I, I decided I got I've got no iPad. And uh, first I started I just sat down and played something in into this iPad, just a you know straight thing. And I uh, and I and I posted that. People loved it. So I, and the next time I uh, I have te- I have technology here, and I could so I can separate the sound off from the from the file from the the video file I had, right. and put it into Pro Tools, and then I started adding things, you know, like keyboards. And I got a drum kit here, and uh, wow. I, and you know I sing a bit, so I, I can play I can play most things after a fashion. So. Sure. So I did, uh, I, I, I ended up doing, you know, uh, I was well supported by everybody. They, they loved it and they wanted more. Uh, in fact, I, I should, um, they've asked me to do more and I'm, I keep meaning to do, do some more now. But one of the things that, uh, one of the things I did again, uh, I think it was after Phil's passing, just after Phil's passing, I was kind of, I was, you know, I was thinking we, the, the, all the songs we've written and the, and the milestones we passed. Together, so uh, so, and this was one of them. You know, the first okay. song of parachute gave us a direction. So uh, this was uh, this is a very um, rudimentary version, but anyway, okay, it's the well, Mr. Square. Well, we're going to uh, uh, say goodbye, and uh, we're going to play uh, the Good Mr. Square. And Wally, you'll be back, and um, maybe we we'll get John PV with us as well. And um, thank you. I want to thank you for this time. And uh, just bear with me one second as we play this tune. The good Mr. Square, he doesn't have any hands. He spends his time looking through other people's eyes. The good Mr. Square, he doesn't have any hands. He spends his time.
Radio is listener funded. If you wish to contribute, our PayPal info is notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. That's notyourmothersradio at gmail.com. We would like to thank you in advance for any contributions. Elliot definitely is not your mother. Elliot's not your mother. He's not mine either. I wouldn't mind it, though. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. 
So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.